Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hello and welcome to the Solar Panel. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is our Saturday morning live edition on YouTube. We appreciate you all being here and being with us today. I'm here with my partner, as always, Zona Hoops. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, excited for some playoff football and uh, good time to talk about the Suns here at the halfway point and kind of recap the season to this point. So uh, excited to get into it. You're not going to cop to why we're starting at 8.15 instead of 8 o'clock this morning? Yeah, uh, phone died. Take the L, so, <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the L. Uh, phone died, and so I got to sleep in a little bit longer. Uh, that was nice, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my bad. All right. Well, we are we have an, we have a guest this morning. Um, not a newsbreaker quite like Jake Fisher the other day, who we're going to be recapping, but a huge Suns fan. Big, big time guy on our YouTube stream, always there in the chat and has been a multiple time guest. One of the best friends of the show. We got Jake Bronger, a.k.a. AKA Coach Fallen Founder. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing great. Uh, I am not that excited about uh, playoff football because my team didn't make it. So I, this is all I have now. It seems it's like all NFL teams made it. What do you mean? I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sad <laughs> New Orleans Saints fan, actually. But uh, yeah, so watching watching uh, all the Suns games I can now, that's going to be me until at least next September, was it? No. Yeah, they uh, the New Orleans Saints did not quite have a great um, replacement plan for Drew Brees when he when he no. faded out, did they? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> well, my team is in it, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, whether they're in it beyond Monday is a big question. Um, I don't know if they're going to make it beyond the beyond the Rams on Monday. But if there was a winnable game in the first round of the playoffs, to me. And this is not a football show, so we're going to stop. Don't worry, Suns fans. We're going to talk about the Suns here real quick. But if there was a winnable football game for this Arizona Cardinals team, it's against the Rams on the road because the Cardinals were almost undefeated on the road this year. They're just terrible at home. So I guess they maneuvered never to have a home game in these playoffs because they never will have a home game in these playoffs unless something incredibly weird happens. Uh, and, and so they're hoping to just play the entire playoffs on the road and we get to watch them on TV. So that'll be good. All right. So that's, so that's, that's, we've got to wait till Monday. Oh, well, but Hey, you know, they're, they're prime time, man. If only, if only the game could be relocated to AT&T stadium in Dallas, I'd feel even better. Uh, because Kyler Murray has never lost there. He's from Texas. And, uh, that's just about the only, uh, the only time that is the only time they've won in the past month and a half. So anyway, this is not a Suns podcast. I mean, excuse me, this is not a Cardinals podcast. This is a Suns podcast. So let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns just happen to be halfway through their season, 21-22 season, 41 games in exactly as of today. And they have by a two-game margin the best record in the entire league at 32 and nine. You guys have joined this solar panel in the heyday of the Phoenix suns. So you can't even commiserate with me on dealing with a nine and 32 team at the halfway point and trying to find the positives. Now we're trying to find negatives on these guys. It's almost impossible. Uh, so, but we are going to delve into that a little bit. 
we are going to recap this past week. We're going to go into what have we what have we seen in these Suns that we didn't expect to see in the first 41 games. Second quarter, we're going to recap the rumor mill with Jake Fisher. Uh, we had him from Bleacher Report on in the midweek episode. If you didn't follow, catch that on the audio, you better go back and catch it because he dropped a lot of nuggets about the league in general and about the Suns. Third quarter, we're going to do some true-false. And uh, fourth quarter, we're going to preview the upcoming games. So this is going to be a fun, fun day here. So I'm going to stop talking in just a sec. I'm going to let you guys talk. My question to you, and we'll start with Zona, is now that we're 41 games in, the Suns have a 32-9 and record, best record in the league by two games. What have you learned about this team that you didn't know or didn't expect 41 games ago? Um, I would say I'm not surprised that they, they are where they are. Like this is a, a very deep team that brought back their pretty much their entire core from a finals run. So um, I would say just the, the one thing I learned would just be just how focused and how much how pissed off they still are, I think, from the falling short of the finals because, you know, some teams will have the hangover the next year, like at least early on where they kind of start slow. And this team just hit the ground running. Obviously they, they had the one and three start, but after that just really took off. So um, it just kind of shows the resilience and just, you got to give a lot of credit to Monty Williams, just James Jones for building this culture and uh, yeah, just the, the depth and just next man up has been fun to watch. Like, um, you know, they, even through like the, hopefully knock on wood, the toughest part of COVID for them, they, they still found ways to win games and brought guys in and just plug, plug and play. And uh, just a res very resilient team is probably the best way to, to kind of put it. What about you, Jake? You know, it, to me, it, it's, it, it, that's pretty spot on actually. I mean, uh, Monty Williams, style of coaching, his style of management of kind of that, um, that mentor, that kind of calming force, you see it sometimes work uh, like a one-hit wonder, I think, in the league, where it's like, oh, this guy, the, the players really connect with him. But then the next year, um, there's that player that's like, hey, I thought you were listening to me, but you're still not playing me at all. And uh, I was a little bit worried, you know, Aiton not having his contract, um, Landry Shamick getting a, a bigger contract, uh, Mikhail getting a bigger contract. That Was that going to upset the dynamic at all? And it seems like this team still has fun. It seems like this team is still bonded. Uh, when when Coach Monty was out with COVID, I mean, they were still like you saw that kind of um, disruption. They still want that leader, uh, uh, you know, uh, coaching them uh, through the sidelines, and and just the players just seem to still enjoy being around each other. Which uh, I was I was there uh, watching from afar, watching the podcast uh, when the team was usually only winning nine or so games uh, a season. <laughs> and they did not look like they were having any fun at all next to each other. I mean, these guys are, you know, dancing next to each other during warm-ups. So they're having a good time. If you follow them on social media, they're having fun with each other. And, you know, if you still follow some of those former sons, I think Dragon Bender is somewhere in Europe. or uh, And uh, some of these other players that we were really hoping just needed a few more years of seasoning. Um, I, they're not even in the league. So it's just Bender's exciting. There's a 10th man, I think, even in Europe. <laughs> he just needs a few more years in the european league right? oh, <laughs> that's a good point though you, you reminded me of the did anyone i don't know if you guys caught the uh, instagram live for booker yesterday no that was that was awesome um i didn't catch it live but some someone posted it on twitter uh like the, the full youtube video but it was basically him just 
you know, making fun of Chris Paul, Jay Crowder and McGee for being vegan. And like they, they were chirping back about his steak still being alive. And then uh, I guess some kid was talking trash to Chris Paul all game. And he said, I'm going to stick my my son on you if you keep talking. Like, yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of funny, like I would, I'd recommend going to check that out. Um, I'll try to, I'll send you guys a link later, but that, that was a really funny live and just, thought, yeah, if you can put the link in the chat, that'd be great. Yeah. I didn't I'll get go, to I'll see either. I did get to see, and look, I'm not as technically savvy as I probably could be. Um, but I did get to see Devin Booker's, um, comments after the game, uh, when people were asking him about his whole dust up with the mascot this past week. So Kellen Olson, I think it was, it was Kellen who asked him, what's your take on, on, uh, after if you guys one of the during one of the games this week, thirty-two, uh, there was only six and a half seconds left in the game. The Suns were up only one. Devin Booker was at the free throw line to put them up two or three. Um, the the uh, the Toronto Stadium is empty because of COVID concerns. All their only fan, quote unquote fan, is their mascot, and the mascot was jumping up and down behind the backboard trying to distract Booker. Booker made the free throw, but then complained about the mascot doing that. When um, I don't I don't know the reason he was able to complain. I don't know the reason the refs even listened to him. But the refs asked the mascot to go take a knee over on the side so Booker could shoot his free throws. And he made his second free throw, put the Suns up three, and then they were able to foul. Booker committed the foul outs on non-shooting fouls, so the Raptors only got to shoot two free throws, and the Suns won the game. That won the game for the Suns. But then, of course, worldwide wob. Uh, posted the the exchange and and it got it got took took on a lot of fire that Booker can't handle big moments. Well, okay, but Booker did make the free throws and the Suns won the game. But anyway, that he can't handle big moments. Okay, he's also one of the best clutch players in the game and he's shooting about seventy percent in the clutch this year. But he can't handle big moments according to this, and so we got a lot of flack. And then people were dredging up the old. Well, that's not Kobe mentality. That's not Mamba mentality. That's Kobe never would have let that happen. Okay, it, for one thing, Kobe Bryant would complain about everything he could complain about and get an advantage of. That's a winning mentality. Is getting every advantage you can. You can't like Chris Paul's antics and not like that because I think Devin Booker is actually picking up on Chris Paul's antics. Chris Paul would have done that kind of thing. Sure, a lot of people hate Chris Paul. That's okay. He's still one of the best players in the history of the game. Kobe Bryant still one of the best players in the history of the game. That all led to Devin Booker after a couple of days off for the Suns. They finally had a media availability again after their game against Dallas. I'm sorry, Dallas. What am I thinking? Against Indiana on Friday night. And uh, Booker was asked about the whole dust up. And he he kind of he, he he had a nice rant, but he basically said, Look, I have fun on social media. Everyone's great. I love it. I'm on there every day. The only thing that bothers me is people still trying to mention Kobe along with me with this Mamba mentality. I respect Kobe. I'm inspired by Kobe. I'm inspired by Mamba mentality, but I never said I had it or never never wanted to be associated with it because that's Kobe's. And I thought that was great. And then he ends with, and those guys saying, talking about Mamba mentality are doing it from their mama's couch. And then he got up and walked away. <laughs> Oh man, I thought that was great. So you guys got to look for that too. Um, I think it was Kellen Olson, but no, look up any Suns media on Twitter. They've shared it. I know Dwayne shared it. Dwayne Rankin for sure. Um, take a look. That is epic. 
Oh, the, uh, the Suns Instagram channel uh, posted it. Uh, that's right. I remember right. No, and and their and the Suns own Twitter channel posted it. That's right. That's that's where I first saw it. Yes. Yeah, he it was Kellen that asked the great. question. So, shout it out was to Kellen. Kellen. Yeah, shout out to Kellen. He knows how to get those guys to talk. He's he's been in every single press conference for uh, with them for years, and and uh, he asked the questions in the way that gets guys actually giving good answers. So, yeah. uh, big big props to Kellen for getting those guys to be able to talk. And that was fun watching him have that reaction. Um, that, was, that, that was really, really good. Well, Dave, I wanted to jump in though real quick. I'm glad that you pointed it out because I had no idea it was even a thing that mascots can't dance and try and distract. I don't players. think it is a thing that they can't because I've okay. seen the gorilla doing it forever. Right. 10,000 like, people behind the back. trying to do like a wave it, and get everyone to, to make noise. You. Yeah. And the mascot yeah. is like leading it. But this one is like, hey, that one guy is making noise. And they're like, go, go sit down. <laughs> you're you're yeah. arena shut down. No fans here. You go, you go, you well, go. And immediately down. after that game, uh, Booker was, was joking that, hey, it worked. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's a rule or not. I'm, I, I feel like it's because it was a team employee doing it. Probably. <laughs> but still, I think there's there's that, that's not against the rules for the Raptor to be jumping up and down <laughs> with his two-inch vertical <laughs> to distract Booker. And Booker even made the shots. But you know what? You go for every advantage you can. And he wanted that advantage, and and so and and he he flustered enough to get it. So whatever, you win the game. That's it's about winning the game. That's hilarious. So what did I learn in the first forty-one games? Thank you for asking. Uh, Booker, <laughs> um, Devin Booker apparently is incapable. Here's what I learned: Devin Booker apparently is incapable of being a mid-range god and a three-point god in the same season. So his past three seasons, he's been one of the best mid-range shooters right there, free throw line, getting to his shot right around there. Right, He and Chris Paul, mid-range mavens. But Booker was shooting 32, 33, 34% from three. And was just like, God, if he could just pick up a three-point shot, if he could just, he'd won three-point contests before, but he couldn't do it in games. He was at 33% or so. He comes in, he's always not making quite enough threes. And then this year, he's flipped the switch. This year, it's like he went and said, you know what? What's that movie, Brendan Fraser, uh, where he got the three wishes from the devil and the devil was Elizabeth Berkeley? Is all those years ago. Bedazzled. Bedazzled. And he once said that he wanted to be a seven-foot center um, who the best basketball player in the game, wanted to be incredibly you know, talented and all that and so popular and everything. And so she gave it to him except she gave him one that couldn't stop sweating, was constantly just drenching in sweat, and had a small fifth leg. I mean, or a third leg, whatever. So something like that where it's like you get what you ask for sometimes. And I think I feel like Devin Booker gave him um, – uh, Devin Booker gave us what we asked for, which is that pull-up three, that three, fine. You want me to make threes? I'll make threes, fine. But I won't make any mid-rangers. So he's actually shooting worse in the mid-range than he has in years. And yet he's over 41, over at 40.9% right now on threes. What do you guys think of that development? Zona. Yeah. So uh, before the season asked, I actually put out like a question. I was like, 
if Devin Booker shoots 40% or better from three, he is blank. And the replies were hilarious because everyone's like, it's 2K. It's a, it's a made-up world. Like, all these sarcastic replies, and now he's doing it. But like you said, I mean, there's it came with a little bit of a, you know, a neutralizer for his offense. Like, if, if he was still shooting what he did in the mid-range before, like, his numbers would be stupid right now. So hopefully he can figure a way to kind of – balance that and put them together and i think he will i think he's going to go on a run here soon like he typically does this time of year mm-hmm. uh once like we're in when the january february march months is usually his best seasons or not season part of the season historically so uh i think we're going to get one of those stretches those vintage booker stretches here soon so uh but yes yeah, to this point it's been a, it's been kind of like we've we've gotten the three but the the rest of his game has kind of suffered a little bit in terms of efficiency so yeah, it's it's you can't have it all, I guess. Thoughts on uh, that, Jake? Yeah, I'll be honest. So uh, it, it looks like uh, Basketball Reference basically has him uh, shooting three points, three pointers at a seven percent better clip, uh, and uh, nearly uh, what ten percent worse uh, on two point shots. Overall, he's, his <laughs> overall field goal percentage is down. I I'll be honest. I didn't even notice his two point percentage shots were down. Like. Seeing that three ball go in at such a regular clip for him finally was just amazing to see. So, like, I, I couldn't even – when he has the ball, I still think the uh, he, the shots are going in, even if he is at mid-range. So, I, I guess I'd rather take this, even though his overall shooting is down, because it just uh, – I think at any point that the, the two is going to drop. And if he can hold that three-point percentage, uh, uh, that's going to be that's going to be great. Yeah, one thing I, I wanted to um, – here's my dumb theory. Now, I've always been wrong on this stuff, so I think it's I, – I realize it's a dumb theory. But shooting the – Booker puts so much effort into figuring out how to shoot the midi, which is maximum verticality, um, shake and, and moves, and, and uh, um, getting his shot where he wanted it to be. He practices pregame with basically um, – a. Um, shit a walking lunge kind of situation where he's practicing he he does a does a two or three step lunging you know step at walking lunge and then he takes his shot when he warms up he gets his body ready for those mid-rangers because he's got to go from small to to tall really quick because that's how you get separation from your defender vertically if you're if you're standing tall in the mid-range and then you just try to take a shot you're going to get blocked but if you play small and then get big that's how you get your your separation a little bit that's completely different than a three-point shot. A three-point shot is it's got to be in rhythm. You're not doing all this crab walking or, or lunge walking or anything like that to get your three-point shot. It's totally different, and you're not dribbling left to right or in, inside out or anything like that. So my theory was always that that the three-point shot was different enough from his mid-range shot, and he didn't practice the threes. He practiced his midi constantly. So he got the midi down perfect. One of the best ever, uh, best seasons ever at shooting mid range last two years, two and a half years. Um, but not, but his three point shot suffered. Now he he focused on his three point shot a little bit, and now his midi's suffering because there's there's got to be perfection on this on this shooting. Now all he's doing is dropping back down to earth on the mid range shots. He's just not one of the very best in the game right now until it comes down to the clutch. Um, Chris Paul has had a bad year shooting as well. In fact, he's taken um, his fewest shots in uh, 10 years, I think, from the field. And 
DeAndre Ayton has figured out how to make a little jump hook over just about anybody at any time. And so those are some developments that are interesting. And now, of course, you want to think, wow, when the Suns get the, when Booker and Paul get their shots back, uh, the Suns are going to be unstoppable. Well, what's great is that the Suns are already unstoppable. <laughs> They're already 32 and nine. They're already the best clutch team in the league in the first half. They're already one of the, they've, they've improved their defense. They're number two in defense this year after being six or seven or eight last year, depending on the point in time. Um, but their offense has actually suffered. What do you, where do you think their offense ranks, Jake, uh, since their 18 game winning streak ended? Where do you think they rank in offense? Um, I feel like kind of middle of the road ish at, uh, but maybe 13th, 16th. So okay. good call because their offense looks like it's been struggling, right? Yeah. Their defense is right at their second, third, depending on the day. Uh, but their offense has really struggled and, and they're only quote unquote, only, you know, winning two thirds of their games instead of 90% of their games over this time. So I, I know it's tough, right? But here's, here's the thing since December, um, um, sorry, since Christmas, right, when they had the Christmas Day game against the Golden State Warriors and going forward from there, um, they have they have they lost a lot of time, right? They lost Monty for four or five games. They lost Aiden for four or five games, uh, uh, JaVale McGee, Jay Crowder. Earlier in December, they had lost Devin Booker for a couple of weeks because of his hamstring. So since the since that um, uh, the 18-game winning streak ended, they haven't had a full team in shape, a full team until like now. And uh, now Cam Johnson is out with the tweaked ankle. And so the Suns are absorbing losses and people being out but still winning all their games. I think that's been, that's been really fun. Um, so that I, 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 I wasn't sure what to expect if they lost a lot of time from some of those guys. Um, they certainly haven't lost anything from Chris Paul, though. While he's shooting poorly, taking fewer shots, playing slightly fewer minutes, and doing less in his minutes offensively as far as shot making, he leads the league in assists, and he's one of the best defenders in the league once again. He's one of the top steals guys again. So it's been, it's been a great 41 games. In the next 41 games, I hope we don't have to experience losing Chris Paul for a while and seeing what happens, but I feel confident that this team can step up. You guys mentioned, and John uh, Voida in the chat mentioned, Darth Voida in the chat mentioned that the Suns have shown that their system can prop up replacements and make them look good. As we know about the uh, depth at center, you know, you got Bismack Biombo coming off the street, not playing a game for eight months, and he gets 16 and six. You got Jalen Smith coming off the bench, hasn't played in two years, basically, any competitive real basketball in two years. And he comes in and averages 16 and 10. You know, it's like, it's crazy how good these backups can look. And Justin, uh, Justin Jackson signed a 10 day contract and he made a couple of threes in his first game coming in. And he's a guy who doesn't make it. That's his whole career problem is he doesn't make enough threes for his game. Uh, so it, it's, it's fun watching these guys step in. I've actually not even hated Alfred Payton lately because he's figured out how to play an off ball kind of role next to campaign. So it's been, it's been an interesting first 41 games. Uh, the thing is last year in the second half around after around February one, the Suns had the best offense in the league until the playoffs. 
they're looking for the best offense in the league. Again, probably once their offense starts clicking, um, we'll see them cruising even better, but it does seem a little bit uh, like they're struggling. Um, Jake, any other observations from the first half you did not expect to see? Um, I, DeAndre Ayton kind of uh, locking in a little bit. Uh, there was, of course, that concern that he was just a playoff star. And, uh, you know, a lot of the fans, of course, wanted that big contract to keep him here uh, long term. And we were a little, I think, disappointed um, when he didn't get it. But I think he's proving uh, – well, actually, here I'm, I'm going to answer this with a question eventually here. Uh, I think he's proving he deserves it. Um, but my question back to you guys is this. You were just talking about the system, Dave, and this had me a little bit worried for uh, Aiton, but, and I'm sure you guys thought this too. When you saw Biombo kind of showing up out of nowhere doing well, uh, Frank Kaminsky, uh, you know, before he went down, was doing pretty well. JaVale McGee yeah, is playing. Yeah, 31 game. Yeah. Right. McGee doing yeah. things that, you know, the Nuggets didn't even know he could do uh, last year, and he's doing it well. Is Does the system – uh, make it so, you know, if you've got a Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Bridges on the court, are your centers just going to be able to be productive? Or is Aiton really showing that skill level of difference uh, that he's worth so much more money than Frank, who's on a minimum contract, Biombo, who's on a minimum contract? I have no doubt that Aiton's better, but is he max level contract better that's what I'm almost kind of worried for Aiden about, but I, I, I do love the production that we're seeing out of Aiden overall. Hey, let's take just a quick second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. The NFL players are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team winning their game. Bet just $5, and you win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes, also with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. you got to be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, yeah. here's the here's the thing on that. Um, Sona, go ahead. I'll let you go. I've been talking. Yeah, no, I was going to say it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's obviously a positive that all these guys are stepping in and producing, but I think it's also like, you know, it's the regular season and there's, there's a game against like the Hornets or like one game against the Blazers for Frank. And like these things aren't sustainable over like the long, like over the course of the season or like a playoff series and stuff like that. And that's where Aiden's value, I think, uh, is going to be measured once again is come playoff time. Like in a, in a seven game series, you're not going to want to rely on like Bismack Bayambo and, and Frank Kaminsky and JaVale McGee. Like Aiden's going to be the guy playing 35 plus minutes. So uh, I think he's really like risen to the occasion. Like when they've asked him to, um, it's great to get the production. Like you said, like their system definitely enhances, uh, I think pretty much any center and any player really, if we're being honest, just Chris Paul makes everyone better. Um, but I would say, you know, you need that high end talent and keeping Deandre has to be, I think their core four with, uh, including Cam Johnson, like they got to keep that group together long-term and, and go from there because, 
when you try to get too cute or like save money or think you could find value, that's when teams like break up and, you know, potential, uh, I don't want to say dynasties because you have to win a championship to get there, but that's when you can break up what could have been a potential dynasty and just kind of kick yourself years later. So I think, you know, keep these four together and, and go from there. I'm sure that's what their plan is. Um, and I get what you're saying. It's, it's a good point. It's just, uh, it seems like everything that James Jones has touched has been gold and, uh, it, do, it does leave you thinking sometimes, like, you know, what would this team look like if they brought in a different center or something like that? But, uh, you know, I think Aiton's, uh, to this point, has earned the the max, whether it's from Phoenix or someone else. Yeah, I touched on it in an article on Bright Side of the Sun this week uh, when the um, a rumor floated that the um, Detroit Pistons might be targeting. Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report commented that the Detroit Pistons are looking to spend big money this summer on a long-term big to pair with Cade Cunningham, their number one pick point guard from this last offseason, um, and uh, that they might be targeting DeAndre Ayton. So assuming Detroit makes a max offer to Ayton, which is a lower max than the Suns could have offered, and let's say the Suns let him go because of this thinking, Jake, and you're not the only one. Most people are thinking, wow. If I can get 80% of Aiden for a fraction of the cost, I could spend that money somewhere else. So let's pretend the Suns actually let Aiden go. Um, let's not even talk about trade return for a second. Let's just talk about Aiden being on the Pistons, okay? If you put Aiden on the Pistons, what's he going to put up? If I mean, if Jeremy Grant can put up 20 and 6 after having a career as basically a Tory Craig type, then he goes 20 and six for two straight years. What's Aiton going to put up in Detroit with Cade Cunningham and a future, you know, potential all-star point guard leading him. He's going to be a 25 and 12, 23 and 12. He's going to be a starter in the all-star game on the East. He's going to, he's going to make uh, guys what uh coach JJM put it unpopular opinion. The Suns are actually handcuffing Aiton. They're not handcuffing necessarily. I get what you totally get what you're saying guy. Um, but, what they're doing is they are asking him to sacrifice. Monty Williams mentioned his, mentions it every time he's brought up in a press conference about his his scoring and everything. Monty says DeAndre has sacrificed offensively for this team because the team centers around Devin Booker and Chris Paul getting whatever shot they want. And until now, Aiden has not had a way to get whatever shot he wants against whatever defense is being played. And so just like Mikel sacrifices potential shots, Cam Johnson sacrifices potential shots, so does John Drayton because they can't get whatever shot they want. Jeremy Grant, Long John Silver, is is not necessarily a, a shot creator. I mean, he's a shot creator on the worst team in the league. That's about it. I mean, really, he's if he was on the Warriors, he would not be a 20 points a game guy. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, but Let's just say that Aiden was in, in Detroit. We would be hating ourselves for having let him go so that we could play Bismack Biombo. And one, and one thing I want to bring up too is like, I feel like Suns fans are a little bit spoiled because like we don't remember how truly terrifying it could be to have like a tough center rotation. Like I have yeah. like fr friends that are fans of other teams just always talking about like whether it's like the Knicks or Celtics or whoever else. And like they're like, man, our center rotation is, is rough. Like these guys disappear for so long and like, you know, I think Aiton's taking that step to where it's like you have to appreciate what he's done. And um, I just I don't want to get back to those days of like Alex Len and, and Tyson Chandler, like an aging Tyson Chandler anytime soon. So um, I say, you know, you just got to swallow the pill, pay him and, and hopefully, uh, you know, post CP3, like 
you know, which isn't anytime soon. But I think you're going to get a lot of what happened last night where him, like Booker and Aiton are just kind of taking over offensively like they did last night yeah. in, in different times. So um, he's definitely sacrificed. But but yeah, that, that's a good question, Jake. You know, it's also um, sorry, real quick. Um, it's kind of like in 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 football. We talked. We started this program talking about the Cardinals going into the playoffs. It's also like in football where. If you find that true linebacker who can be an every down linebacker, not just a run stopper, not just a, a pass rush guy, but a guy who can play every single down like an Aaron Donald on defensive line or or someone like a Micah Parsons in Dallas or whatever, that's the guy you pay all the money to because you never have to mix and match against scheme. And that's DeAndre Ayton for the Suns. You can play Ayton in any lineup. The other team goes real small, Aiden stays in. The other team goes real big, Aiden stays in. On Friday night against the Pacers, 27 and 12. Against the only thing the Pacers have going for them right now is their two centers, their two center lineup with, with Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis, and Aiden ate them up. Okay, enough on Aiden. Let's move on. Um, let's talk about uh, the trade rumors. And I want to get Jake's opinion because he didn't, he was not part of our interview with Jake Fisher. If you guys, did not pick up Zona and I's interview with Jake Fisher two days ago. That's on our audio feed, on the podcast audio feed. Go look for it in whatever podcast app you use. We posted it as audio only. Um, and he went through all of these things he's hearing around the league for the trade deadline. And some of those were about the Suns. So let's talk about some of those rumors. One, he said specifically was that the Boston Celtics had reached out a few weeks ago to the Phoenix Suns and said, what do you think about Dennis Schroeder for Jalen Smith? Dennis Schroeder, who had almost gotten an $80 million a year, $80 million total contract from the Lakers, but he turned it down because he wanted more money, more than $20 million a year from the Lakers as a starter. So he plays, uh, he takes a, a low you know, he played for a little money his, his first year with the Lakers, then got let go. And now he's playing for only $5 million this year for the Celtics. And he's coming off the bench. He had a great year with Chris Paul two years ago in Oklahoma City. But coming out of that year, he wanted to be a starter again. Uh, maybe he's learned his lesson. Maybe he knows he comes better off the bench. I'd like to hear your thoughts. What if Jalen Smith was swapped for Dennis Schroeder? Jake. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. I mean, I mean... Uh... I'm definitely going to miss Alfred Payton's production on the floor, um, whatever that might be. But um, no, I, I think, it, you know, at this point in time, as we, we've seen, uh, we kind of are uh, rich right now at center. Hopefully, Aiton stays healthy. Biombo uh, looks like he can actually fill in. Um, you know, Frank might be coming back towards the end of the season. So if, uh, and obviously we have McGee. So if we do lose Jalen uh, for a trade and he's been, you know, producing lately so his trade value's probably gone up recently yeah shooter's a proven commodity of a let's not make him a starter obviously that's that was the problem the lakers thought he could take that next step he can't um but could he uh work alongside campaign sometimes and uh when especially when shamit is cold which seems like nine games out of every 10 um then yeah i, I think schroeder would be a good one but you know he although he's having a bounce back season yeah, I think at the same time, if you look at his uh, raw numbers and granted it is the Celtics, um, they don't jump off the page at you. So definitely an improvement over Peyton. Definitely would want to have him for that. Um, I think he would help uh, 
keep Paul fresher in the playoffs, and that's going to be pretty critical. Um, so, yeah, for a straight-up Jalen Smith trade, I, I'd, I'd do that absolutely. What about you, Zona? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, like, there's two sides to it. He's obviously a better player than Jalen Smith. Uh, he's, you know, taking a deal that allows – he's probably the best player you can get for Jalen Smith just because of his weird contract situation. Um, but then you look at the fit, and I'm not as high on it uh, just in terms of how he plays. <clears throat> like, does he fit in the .5 system perfectly? No, but he did back up Chris Paul in OKC and had one of his best seasons there. And you could play him in three-guard lineups with Chris Paul and Booker at times. Um, but then I think this means Shamit is odd man out because I think Payne, you know, he's had a up-and-down season, but he's still going to be getting consistent minutes, I think. So if you're uh, looking at, like, a Payne-Schroeder, uh, you know, reserve duo lineup, then I think that's probably the, the way they would do that. I think there's more pressing needs in terms of like, I'd rather get someone like a Eric Gordon, Terrence Ross, um, Justin Holiday, if you're looking for offensive production. But if you're looking for like the, I think their biggest need, it'd be more like a Ken Rich Williams, Torrey Craig type, just to get that big four or Robert Covington, as we talked about uh, last week. But yeah, overall, I, I don't hate it as much as I did at first. I've kind of talked myself into it a little bit. Um, I'd probably, it's it's not the first trade I do, but if they ended up agreeing to that, it's I don't think there's any chance they're going to re-sign Smith. So it's probably the best you're going to do on the short term. Yeah. Um, what do I think? What do I think? What do I think? Well, with Dennis Schroeder, You've got a guy who, as you guys were saying, was a good backup to Chris Paul a couple of years ago. That's absolutely true. It, it, it really, really is. However, uh, that means he's taking Campaign's spot. Now, Campaign has had a bad first half. He's, had his, he's back to basically the efficiency of the guy who was, who was not very good a few years ago that played himself out of the league to an extent. Um, I think uh, Campaign... <clears throat> Um, has a better future ahead of him the second half of the year, but who knows, right? So Dennis Schroeder would be a guy who would take over. He would he would actually, that's the minutes he would take. It wouldn't be uh, Landry Shamitz or Alfred Payton's because when everyone's healthy, Alfred Payton doesn't get minutes. So that's what you're, that's what you're weighing. The other thing, the other side of this is Jalen Smith's utility here. Now he has developed over the past few weeks a real playable, utility and where the suns have struggled is in rebounding this year if you if they're gonna lose on anything um any any of the matchups basically on the floor they're giving up more rebounds because they're sacrificing it for three-point shooting right cam johnson is a bad rebounder jay crowder is a bad rebounder mikhail bridges bad rebounder and if those are your three forwards around ayton that's one of the or and or mcgee or bismack or whoever it is or Jalen Smith, they're going to get all those rebounds. Great, but that doesn't mean they're out rebounding the other team most nights. They're not. Um, so now Jalen Smith gives you that at the four, the ability to rebound, the ability to have a uh, have a help defender defending the rim when Aiton's been pulled out with spacing by you know the the other team pulling Aiton out of the paint. Um, now you've got a Jalen Smith who could rotate in because he's guaranteed to be more closer to the rim now because Aiton's been pulled out. So. There, there is that potential there, and he has shown that he's at least a little more playable than he used to be, Jalen Smith, at power forward. Plus, the Suns could go small when DeAndre Ayton is 
is um, uh, in foul trouble or out of the game for whatever reason, right now the Suns' only options are drop on every play JaVale McGee, drop on every play Bismack Biongo. They're not going to defend on the – they're not even going to try to defend on the perimeter. Um, and they're certainly not going to shoot three-pointers to help spacing. Now Jalen Smith can actually be a small ball spacer on shooting threes. And if he makes a respectable number of threes, at least he has to be defended, which is big on spacing and finding room for Devin Booker and Chris Paul to get their shots in the mid-range and, and other guys to get to the rim on cuts like Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges. There's a chance. Um, so for if the Suns are thinking about this year, I don't know, man. It's it's quite a toss-up, but I would I I'm just a fan of who we have now. I've always been a fan of who we have now. And so I'd rather just keep Jalen Smith right now. Dennis Schroeder is not the best locker room guy. Can you absorb that for three months? Yes, you can absorb that. The, the Dennis Schroeder is not going to break the yeah, Suns. You, you have to get the buy-in before you trade for him, obviously. So I think with Chris Paul there, like I think he could convince him. It's like, look, it's one year, uh, less than a year, and you took a discount already. Like we're going to, we're going for a title. If you want a title, like, you just have to buy into this role. And if they can do that, that's the only way I'd talk myself into it. Yeah. If you're uh, on the comments in the chat, the most sticks or any acquiring team can offer sticks can make next year's 4.7 million. But the other 29 teams, whoever he doesn't finish the year with can offer him any money. Now, what is the any money? I mean, a month ago we were thinking any money is he's lucky to be in the league next year. Now, a month later, we're thinking a lot more than 4.7, maybe, but does, but he, he still is a small undersized guy. I mean, he's not even quite as big. Uh, the biggest comp that I've, I've been able to make with sticks lately in my own mind, I don't know how true it is, but the biggest comp I've been able to make in my own mind lately is, um, Rishon Holmes to sticks. Rishon Holmes, his first few years in the league was a little bit too small or considered too small to be a. Uh, um, a center and um, he had a tough time with Philly getting minutes as a forward. And, and then when he comes to the Suns, he plays backup center to Deandre Aiden for one year and he played great. And that got him a chance to um, play for Sacramento. And now he's been really good with Sacramento, but even at his peak at his apex, the best that Rishon Holmes can be as a six, nine, six, 10, a little bit too skinny guy, not a ton of offense, gets some blocks, tries hard. What was his contract this summer? $11 million a year. At his apex of his best that he could be. Jalen Smith, um, I don't know. I don't know how much money he can get on the open market, but it's not going to be huge. But it, what he's going to be looking for is a is a chance for minutes. Whether he can get that here in Phoenix, I don't know. It's possible you, you tell him, hey, look, man, take a two-year $10 million deal, stay with us for two more years, be Aiden's primary backup. The Suns could say that to him and another team might make him their starter, whatever. Um, and, and, and he'll take that. That's fine. The Suns can just spend the money on something else. So I'm not sure the Suns really screwed the pooch on this. I don't think Jalen's going to break the bank this summer, but we, we don't really know until we know, I guess. Um, Holmes is skinny code JJM. He's skinny. And, right. and when he was 22 years old, 21 years old, like, like Jalen is now, he was as skinny as Jalen. He's got stick legs. He almost yeah. could have been nicknamed Sticks before Sticks came out. And the situation is so weird too with him because it's like 
if you're a team that wants to trade for him and you give him those minutes, he's going to outplay what you can pay him. So it's that's why it's it's so hard for a team to trade for him at this point. Like in terms of, you know, we're, we're going to give this guy all the opportunity in the world, and then all of a sudden they're they're like, oh crap! Like at the we can only offer him four point six million. So that's why it's it's just such a weird situation. Unlike anything I've like covered on the Suns, obviously. Well, I know I covered the um, I was covering the Suns when they failed to offer declined offering Earl Clark a third year, uh, Kendall Marshall a third year. And those guys weren't really NBA players. Jalen Smith has now proven that he's a real NBA player. So it's it's funny for James Jones because James Jones has to deal with the fact that he was right on draft night, basically. But the way everything worked out for Jalen Smith, the first year of his career, James Jones even had to second guess himself by saying, I'm not going to guarantee his third year. And now he might regret it. So let's talk about other trade rumors. Um, so uh, Jalen Smith is obviously the, the biggest fish the Suns can trade. The other trade possibilities for the Suns are guys that no other team really is going to want Dario Saric, he doesn't have a lot of trade value, guys, because not only is he not going to play this year until the very end of the year, and even then wasn't really a highly productive guy, he's on the books for next year. So a team won't be acquiring him to save money. They'll be acquiring him to have him in their rotation. And he's 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 been out the last year, so he hasn't shown much. Um, so he's actually not that tradable. And uh, so otherwise, you're talking about trading big players off uh, on the team. Uh, so I would, I would actually, again, just like we did a year ago, focus more on the end of bench guys that you could acquire back, back to end of bench guys. You can acquire like a Tory Craig for cash. Um, Jake Fisher did say that Tory Craig is eminently available to anyone who wants to take on his $5 million a year. Hey, that fits Jalen Smith's contract. <laughs> so it could be, and I think it's a second-year team option, I'm pretty sure, on Torrey Craig. Um, so that you could swap Jalen Smith for Torrey Craig. Do you really want to swap Jalen Smith for Torrey Craig, for example? I don't know if they've talked at all, but I'm not reporting that they've talked. But would you swap right now Jalen Smith for Torrey Craig Zona? Uh, yes, I would. And it's crazy that I had to like think about it for a second because like, if you asked me that question, like during the finals last year, I would have laughed at you, but that just shows how great I, like the development of Smith has been. But I think with Craig, you know what you're going to get. And when you're trying to win a championship, you can't have any margin for error and you need uh, veteran players that you, you can trust like in, in the playoffs, which we saw from Craig last year. We haven't seen that from Smith. And I just don't think they're going to be able to keep Smith beyond this year. If, if, if he had like another option or another year, I'd be talking about it a lot differently, but but yeah, at this point in time, I think I, I would pull the trigger on that. Um, whether it's someone like that or, you know, Robert Covington, like we talked about, uh, Kenrich, whoever, like those are the guys I think that they should target. And if they become available, then I think the Suns should do it. What about you, Jake? Tory Craig for Jalen Smith. Yeah, no, I, I do this in a heartbeat too. I mean, we, we saw how um, Tory can play with uh, the Suns last year. He, he, I thought he did a great job playing with us. Um, Jay, I, I'm seeing a lot of uh, the commenters talk about, you know, look at how well Jalen's played. Yes, and over a five-game sample size, he's shown some production. Um, but again, it's more than five games. But well, 
okay, was it eight games that he actually got real playing time? Besides yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the last few, the last few, he's gotten playing time as a power forward. He got twelve rebounds on Friday night. Right. No, exactly. So that, so I guess my point is, we've got Aiton, we've got McGee, uh, Crowder, uh, Cam Johnson. He's not going to take any of their minutes away from him, or he shouldn't. And I, I get it. He, he's shown some flashes of good defense, good rebounding, um, but I'd rather trade him while his value's high. Um, rather than than not, and so uh, uh, somebody I think it was uh, Darth Voida said, you know, do we want to try and get a win now piece? I think absolutely. This is a team that's currently number one uh, in the association. Now's the time to win, and and as fun as it is to develop another player, we've got really young guys too. I mean, like Aiton is young. We're already like ah, Aiton's set. He's our starting center. Like no, these guys all still get better. And better with more time. So mm-hmm. at this point is the best uh, opportunity to trade. Uh, I agree with you a little bit on Dario. I mean, because he's on the books for another year, you're, you'd are you have to be looking at a team that knows they're going to be bad next year as well uh, that would be interested in a contract like that. But um, I, I'm seeing some people mention it in the comments. And so I just had to ask you guys, um, do you know who the worst shooter is on this team that gets regular minutes? Uh, campaign and regular minutes i mean like more than 12 minutes a game on average uh jalen smith dave who do you got i i'd say either campaign or landry shamit landry shamit is shooting 38 percent right now and he is the seventh man he gets 20.5 minutes a game uh just behind cam johnson uh he he's uh yeah, he shoots 36% from three, basically just under 42% from two. And I I, I like Landry. I want to believe in him. I, I, I think he's got a, a good little contract on him that they got him to do for an extension. But when Booker goes out, which isn't going to be for a whole lot of time during the playoffs, uh, I think, Zona, you mentioned like an Eric Gordon type, somebody that can come in do that kind of uh, uh, secondary ball handling role, run some plays and hit down, uh, knock down some threes. Uh, I'm, I don't say we have to uh, trade Shamit, but I think if there's now a weak link, I've kind of moved away from uh, needing a power forward. And now I'm moving back towards kind of that car- combo guard, uh, somebody that can handle the ball a little bit better with campaign because Shamit and Payne are actually, yeah, they're both basically the two worst shooters that get re- consistent minutes. And uh, and one of them has to start making <laughs> some shots. So uh, I, I'm more on board with a campaign, uh, kind of figuring it out, than I am with Shamit. So I would target uh, two guards right now. Yeah, yeah I was very high on that backcourt. Uh, those two coming into the season, and they've both kind of disappointed a little bit. I think I agree that Payne will probably figure it out, and he's shown some signs of, like, slowing things down a little bit lately. So – Shamit has to me has been probably the biggest uh, disappointment. He's just a streaky shooter too. So he'll have these games where I'm sure in these like this week, just to make us look bad, he'll probably, you know, hit, you know, 10 threes in the next like two games and, and uh, you know, kind of correct that shooting percentage because that's just kind of the shooter he is. But mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. I think their biggest weakness right now is just shot creation and, and getting to the rim um, or just someone they could throw the ball to in that second unit outside of Cam Johnson or, occasionally campaign and say, go get a bucket. So to me, that's probably 
that is close to like the finding that like four or like rebounder that we've kind of set our sights on early on. But, but yeah, that's, that's a good point on, on Shamit. Uh, Joshua LeBrun says, get Langston back. Um, if he becomes available, well, first of all, Langston is working on 10 days this year, so he is eminently available. Um, and none of the teams in the league want him. So I love Langston. Super nice guy. He was twice on the solar panel last year as a guest and at least once, I think twice. Um, great, great guy. I love, I love him as a person. I love him as a shooter. But if you guys are unhappy with Landry Shaman's defense, you weren't paying attention to Langston Galloway. <laughs> the dude is half the size of Landry and uh, didn't, I mean, he was just a turnstile. So, Look, if you're talking about defense, Landry Shamit actually is at least a spirited defender, and that's half the battle with playing defense. Um, here's uh, what I think is that Landry Shamit is is uh, one of those guys. He guess you guys know how old he is. He's barely 24. He's one of the youngest guys in the Suns rotation. Um, he is going to grow. He's going to develop, and he's going to find his comfort level with the Suns and get better. I mean, if Jalen Smith can suddenly start looking like a better, uh, a good NBA player that might make $10 million a year as people are talking, why would you like say that Landry Shamit can't? I mean, he's still developing as well. So I think, I think they know what they have in Landry Shamit. I think Landry Shamit knows what he has. Uh, and I think uh, Shamit is going to find his way on this team in the second unit. I mean, I'm just, I'm, this is what I'm thinking, previewing the second half. I'm thinking that guys like campaign Landry Shamit, Chris Paul and Devin Booker mid range are going to come back to the mean in the good way, which is even better for a team. That's still already the best team in the NBA as far as record. Um, and uh, they look like they, what they've been doing in the first half is they've been developing different options besides Paul and Booker for the playoffs. Deandre Ayton looks like he's here to stay on his option of uh, his turnaround jumper, uh, his turnaround hook shot. Uh, other guys are here to stay. Cam Johnson's here to stay. Mikel Bridges is adding to his mid-range game, and he's here to stay. It'd be nice if Landry Shamit and Campaign came to play and looks like they're they're here to stay. Looks like Dave is just chopping it up with his goose <laughs> I just, I just ah, Nice, Justin. F you, Justin. Yep, <laughs> Uncle Dave is on with <laughs> With his nephews who love talking sons. It is funny. I do get a lot of family members who want to talk sons. Um, and that's what it looks like here. All right. So here's the thing. Landry Shaman is a good player. Whether he ends up being great for the Suns or not is still up for debate. He looks like he doesn't have the killer. I'm going to shoot everything attitude that a lot of people want. Same reason. Same thing is happening with him that happened with DeAndre Aiden. He doesn't have that killer attitude because he doesn't dunk hard enough. Now it's Landry Shamit doesn't have the killer attitude because he doesn't take all the shots every time he touches the ball. He actually passes. So we'll see. I think there's a good opportunity there for Landry to actually grow, and I don't think the Suns are going to give up on him. I really think what they're looking for is do we have Jalen Smith as our fourth forward or do we have somebody else in his place as our fourth forward? That's what I think they're focusing on. Uh, you guys got to go listen to our audio pod. Again, it's on our podcast feeds. It's easy to find. Sun Solar Panel. We have a whole 40 minutes with Jake Fisher talking about all the rumors around the league, what players are available, what teams are blowing it up, and what other there's other names that we didn't bring back up here today that he mentions that are available 
to anybody who wants them and happen to be making about the money that Jalen Smith is making and would happen to be a great fit on the Suns. Now, the two, the two sides haven't been put together yet in any kind of rumors because we're still four weeks away from the deadline, three and a half now. Um, but that doesn't mean they won't. When a team makes players available and you make players available, sometimes you call each other and say, how about a swap and see what happens, just like it did with Schroeder. Schroeder's available. Um, but the Suns look like they said no, at least for now, on that one. Dave, let me ask you. <clears throat> or huh? Excuse me. Uh, um I'm seeing it in the comments, and I had to actually pull up to see if he's even being mentioned. But uh, Kobe White, Mr. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, wow, get him back with uh, Cam Johnson. You wow. know, Kobe can back come back in back. here and back up Cam Johnson. <laughs> hey, hey, he could be. A, I would have him over Dennis Schroeder. Uh, I would uh, make that uh, option, and he, his contract is close enough with Jalen Smiths. Uh, if you wanted to throw in Alfred Payton, because we wouldn't really need his services after that, I think that'd be nice. Uh, I don't know if the Bulls need more front court help. I think that's kind of been the knock on them is that they need somebody besides uh, uh, was Vucevic or Bukovic, um, you know, kind of holding it down. I'm yeah, just I mean, saying, we're the same fan base that thought Nikola Vucevic could be a good replacement for DeAndre Aiden, and the Suns should acquire him. We're that same fan base, so we're a little up and down. I mean, I wasn't in person. I wasn't. I was never against. I was never for that. But there's That's other things. That I but right. But a year ago, Vucevic wasn't uh, an all-star or a fringe all-star for the Magic, and it looked like he was languishing away on a bad team. He's just not that great, guys. Um, and uh, we almost, you know, uh, some of you would have traded Aiton for Vucevic. Um, but anyway, let's. Uh, there was a mention of Terrence Ross in here. Look. Um, I don't have anything definitive, but I've heard he's not great in the locker room. And it, and proof of that is that he is the only one who wasn't traded from the Magic last year when they were trading for any assets they could get. So does that mean the Magic really wanted to keep Terrence Ross through, through a rebuild? Or does it mean that nobody wanted Terrence Ross? So this is, again, this is, I don't know any specifics. I just know that He's not a guy that teams you're, are dying. You're missing an important point, though. He he tweeted, uh, if Kevin Durant is, is basketball god, then Devin Booker is basketball Jesus. So I think we well, have to trade for him. We're, we're we obligated to, to now. So if you're looking for, look, if you're looking for a more aggressive Landry Shamit, that's Terrence Ross. Okay, great. Wonderful. Do you really want Terrence Ross taking shots from Devin Booker and Chris Paul and those guys in the, in the lineup? I don't necessarily. So... Um, okay. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll keep talking about new rumors as they pop up. We're going to move to our next segment here. Cause we're already almost an hour in. This has been fun. This has been a total fun. And I love en en engaging everybody in the chat as well. We're going to go to five true or false questions. These are going to, these are supposed to be quick answers. You can, you can have some commentary, but quick answers, think fast. What's your gut? And I want you guys in the chat to be um, uh, making your calls as well, and I'll read them out. There's a little bit of a time delay here, but I'll try to read them out even if we're on to the next true-false. First true-false. True or false? Landry Shamit it right now is averaging 7.8 points per game. Landry Shamit finishes the year at over 9 points per game. Jake? False. Okay, no. you don't think he's going to go. He's you want me to go. elaborate? No, <laughs> that's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I don't think he'll get there. No. All right, Zona. Um, 
I'm going to say true, 9.1. Uh, I'm going to speak his his surgence in the, the second half into existence. Uh, do I Would I place a bet on that? No, but I'm going to go over. Just You're going to go over? Out of belief. I'm going to go over. I think Chamet finds his groove, and uh, money. the Suns are so egalitarian with their offense. They already have seven players who've played over 200 minutes this year, so you can't, not including Frank. Um, who are averaging 10 plus points per game and Landry Shamit and Jay Crowder are two of the ones who are under 10. And yet it feels like those guys could each go over 10 at any point. Um, so I'd say, I'd say that, that Landry Shamit will get a chance. So I'm going to go over on that one next true or false campaign right now is shooting 32.5% from three a year ago. He shot 44% and then in the bubble, he shot almost 50%. So he's got, but that's just the year and a half for his whole career. He's below average on threes. Will campaign finish this season? So he's got half a season to go above league average of 36%. Will he finish above 36% league average this year, which means he has to shoot about 40 for the rest of the year. Jake. No, no, that's, 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 I mean, I think he's going to shoot better, but that's, that's, I I think he's going to have to, that's going to be tough uh, to go the rest of the way at 40%. Zona. It will be tough, but I'm going to go true. He's going to shoot 44% the rest of the, the way and uh, bump it up just over. I just, we need the second. I, I was very high on these two, Payne and Chamet coming into the season. So I need to look smart. So I'm going to stick to my guns and just say they're going to have a breakout second half. I, hey. I feel like the Debbie Downer of this show now. Like, oh, but <laughs> no, you know fine. what? Uh, <laughs> cats and feline AIDS, it's a real thing. Boom, boom. Debbie Downer. <laughs> Always bringing up things that people don't want to talk about. Hmm. Oh, man. Well, all right. Uh, C. Buxtabar in the chat says his form sucks. He'll never recover that much. Okay, he went a year and a half shooting 45-plus. And um, uh, one of the best shooting coaches in the history of the game um, said once that it doesn't matter what your form is. It matters your consistency. If you shoot the same shot every single time, you can develop any uh, you can develop consistency and you can be good but you have to have consistency the guys who don't have any or they shoot a little bit different even if it's a couple inches on their release inches matter um if it's a couple inches different on their release they're going to be inconsistent but if you get it the same every time campaign developed his consistency he may have lost it in the first part of the year if he gets it back he can get it doesn't matter what his form is um all right next true false DeAndre Ayton will start getting credit for all of his blocks. Zona. False. It's never going to happen. I've given up <laughs> at this point. He's. Uh, we need to have a running tally of just how many he's lost and just, you know, someone needs to pay for this. Like, fire the statistician. I don't know who's behind it. And it's mostly at home games. And I've seen I, it I for three it. years. Yeah, I give up. False. <laughs> Jake. Switcheroo here. It's true. The Suns fan base is locked in on this one finally because if you're watching a game and following Suns Twitter, almost immediately you'll find somebody go, now that's a block. They won't count that. And I think as long as that narrative (laughs) continues to be driven, more people will be like, are you making sure that we're checking the boxes on all these blocks? So I think now that uh, some it's kind of seeping into, you know, maybe uh, Eddie Johnson needs to bring it up on, uh, you know, uh, the the live – Broadcast or something. Yeah, the broadcast. Yeah, that, uh, that, I don't know about. I think uh, they're showing it more. 
Um, I'm going to say false, man. They've been doing it for three freaking years. I don't think they're going to stop. I, I don't get it. See, the thing with DA is his blocks are not JaVale McGee type blocks. JaVale McGee blocks are like swinging from the rafters, right, at the ball and and knocking it three rows deep. DAs are much more in the line of let's keep the ball in play just in case I can grab this rebound or one of my teammates can grab this rebound. DA keeps the ball live toward his teammates, like with some control more on his blocks than anybody that I've seen. Um, and uh, that's that's to his credit, right? Because it's better to get to, because most blocks, all they result in is the other team still having possession with a side out. DA's blocks the, the possession stays live. So I wonder if the statisticians are falling prey to that. I don't know. It's the same guys. I want to talk to him one time. I should go up and talk to him one time about that. But um, anyway, I think it's, I think that's a false fourth true or false question. Monty Williams will coach the all-star game. That means that the coach with the best record at some point in late January, early February coach with the best record in each conference gets to coach the all-star game with his coaching staff. Monty, the Suns have now a one and a half game lead on best record in the West over the Warriors. Yes, the Warriors got Clay Thompson back, but they're also three and like they're four and four or three and five or something like that since um, the Christmas Day game. What do you think? Is Monty Williams going to coach the All Star game, Zona? Yeah, I think so. Uh, just looking at their schedule and just like how well they've been playing and getting everyone back, uh, it feels like they're going to hit their stride here soon. So uh, I think he, he will be. Yeah, I agree. Too? I think we're going to maintain that. You know, we had so many guys out, uh, COVID protocols, injuries, and stuff like that, and they're all getting better. I mean, just looking at how Crowder and Aiden are playing now compared to when they first came back, uh, I think it's we're only going to improve moving forward, uh, and already we're number one. Right. All right, last true or false question. Devin Booker will pair his mid-range mastery with his three-point mastery this season zona i'll go true but i i have more faith in his mid-range coming back than i do the three-pointer staying at this point i think he'll figure it out with the mid-range he's been too good for it to not come back uh will it come with the three still being in 40 plus we'll see (laughs) i hope it is but um i'll say true with that caveat so you're thinking it it comes back, but not but the three pointer drops a little yes. bit. Jake, oh, interesting. Um, no, I, I think I think he'll he'll get it to kind of uh, perfectly sink in by the playoffs uh, for sure. Uh, I I don't know w- what changed this year from the uh, last that it did shift so much. Uh, maybe he needs to spend more time with Jenner uh, or or a little bit less. <laughs> that shifted the dynamic perhaps the most, but uh, uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I think. Uh, when he gets locked in in the playoffs, um, kind of kind of like Giannis, uh, Dave, I, I tweeted uh, with you um, earlier this week where the teams in the regular season that know they're going to make a playoff run, especially a deep one, will try different things. And last year, Giannis was shooting a lot more uh, threes, and they were trying different sets because they were afraid of the defensive wall approach that teams would just throw up. And so they wanted to make sure that other players could uh, kind of navigate that. I think that's kind of what we're seeing now is the Suns testing out some different strategies you know, Jalen plays a four, can play the five, and uh, different players are getting different minutes. And so maybe I, I could very easily see Booker maintain the three-point percentage but really lock in and actually be focused and take more two-pointers in the playoffs when kind of those clutch shots uh, 
have to really start falling. Stay off my grass podcast in the chat asks, why was Booker more efficient with Rubio than Paul? That's quite, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know personally if it has to do with the point guard on whether they become, he's like, because of Paul, he's less efficient. Paul has actually made players more efficient in their careers than less. I think it's been more about the situation um, and uh, the pressure and not, I'm uh, sorry, he's focusing, Booker's focusing more on closing out games, making all of his shots in crunch time. He's making, he's shooting 70% in the, in the, in the clutch this year. Um, the Suns have been the best team in the clutch since uh, the middle of last season by far. And uh, that's what Booker cares more about. Whereas before he couldn't care about wins because they didn't, weren't getting any. And so he was focusing on making, getting to his spots, figuring out his best efficiency. Uh, that's a really good question though, but I think it's more circumstantial than reality. Uh, what do you think, Zona? Yeah, I think one point that people are kind of like brushing off the side a little bit too much is his defense. I think this is the hardest I've ever seen him play defense. And That's a great he, point. Even Yeah, even last year, like we saw the leap and even with Rubio, there was like a little bit, it just progressively got better and better. But I think this year, in terms of effort for regular season games, like I, I haven't seen him play like, and spend this much energy on defense like since I followed him. So uh, I think that could definitely uh, affect the efficiency and uh, that's that's something to just kind of look at moving forward because when you're when you're spending that much energy yeah. on defense, it's, it's going to you know come at the cost of the mid range, like we've seen this, or just your overall efficiency. That's a really great point. The Suns were 20th or so, 17th, 20th in defense uh, during the Rubio year, sixth last year, sixth or seventh last year, and then second this year. And uh, I don't know if you guys caught Rudy Gobert's comment this week trying to tweak <laughs> Donovan Mitchell. Did you catch it, Jake? Hmm. Rudy Gobert, I would read the whole thing, but it would take me too long to pull up, and I just want to mention it. But Rudy Gobert went out of his way to say, I watch these other teams. I watch Golden State and Phoenix lock in on defense. They actually care about defense. They care about keeping their, keeping their man in front of them. They care about not getting blown by. And Devin Booker cares a lot more about defense than he ever did before. These last two years watching him has been impressive. And I just hope our team can lock in like that someday. Here, here's the exact quote. Uh, Devin Thank Booker you. is playing his ass off defensively. Guys like that, they buy in, and you could tell they take pride in playing defense. Guys like yeah. that. Donovan Mitchell liked Guys the tweet, like by that. the way. His own oh. team, Donovan Mitchell liked it. Yeah, <laughs> when it was shared on social. So Rudy Gobert, who is probably is one of the finalists for Defensive Player of the Year yet again, uh, might be getting a little tired of, of guards always blowing by his, you know, uh, op opponents always blowing by his guards. And Donovan Mitchell, so to to Zona's point on, on the defensive effort, Donovan Mitchell's having his best efficient season this year. The Jazz are playing their worst defense this year, and that may not be a coincidence because it's the other way around with Devin Booker playing his best defense and the Suns are playing their best defense, and his efficiency has taken a bit of a hit. So, you put in if you put in tons of effort on defense, you're running through screens, you're running around screens, you're a little, you know, you're you've lost a little bit of your juice. And what can happen is that um, uh, you don't have your you got to have your shot perfect. You got to have concentration perfect to make all of your shots because Devin Booker's a jump shooter. So that's that is savage. 
uh, Jay Pazell. Rudy is savage for that. Like worst, worst person, you know, makes a good point. Meme. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's so many things reasons not to like Rudy as an as an opposing fan, but um, I like him for that, obviously. Yeah, and if anyone's uh, going to give you props for defense, who better than like the three-time defensive player of the year? So, even the though Jazz fans were in shambles over that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know if Devin Booker's. I'm going to say false. I don't see. I don't see him rediscovering his efficiency. He's going to have his his most solid All-Star game of the of his career. He's going to make All NBA this year. I'm predicting it right now. Booker, if he stays healthy, if he doesn't miss half the year and gets disqualified, um, he is going to make All NBA this year. He's a he's he's a very clean pick for All NBA, and that's partially because of his defense. And it doesn't mean he has to be the most efficient player in the game, or he would have made All NBA two years ago. So he is gonna and he's gonna win more games, and he's gonna they're gonna have a nice deep run in the playoffs because of the of who he is today. So I think um, I, I don't see him rediscovering his efficiency to the level it was last year or the year before. All right, uh, let's go to our fourth quarter. We're gonna do a real quick preview of the upcoming games uh, this week, and I'm gonna have you guys predict the Suns' record in those games. They are all on the road. If I got it right, I'm pretty sure they're all on the road at Detroit at the Spurs, and now I'm questioning myself. Are they at the Mavericks? Uh, they're at the Mavericks. Yeah, they're all three on the road. At Detroit, at the Spurs, at the Mavericks. Jake, what do you think their record's going to be this week? Uh, that is a strong 3-0. All right, 3-0. The Mavericks game is on TNT, by the way. And the Mavericks just broke the Grizzlies' 11-game win streak on Friday night. Yeah, but Luca is afraid of DA. We all know that. Yeah, we all know that. That's the thing. You can put DA on Luca. You can put DA on Dame Lillard in stretches. You can put Luca. You can put DA on Nikola Jokic. How many defenders in the league can say all three of those, and he can lock them up for periods of time, or at least make it tougher. Yeah. And he even blocked Steph Curry's three. And Steph Curry, since uh, playing against the Suns, he's had his worst stretch of. Of uh, of games because he's he's uh, he's got nightmares of Mikel and Da corralling him. But anyway, that's so you're three and zero, Jake. What do you say, Zona? Yeah, I'm gonna go three and zero as well. Um, I do think you know this weird back to back with uh, Detroit tomorrow morning at eleven, and then going to San Antonio due to like the rescheduling could make it kind of for a weird game in San Antonio. So that's one to look out for, like a trap game. We, we've seen the Spurs just for whatever reason just play their best against the Suns, like even in these rebuilding teams. So um, that's the only game I'm more scared of that San Antonio game than I am the Dallas game, honestly, but I'll go three and zero as well. I agree with Jake. All right. I'm going to say two and one and uh, Fabio says two and one that we're going to lose to Detroit. I actually think the Suns will win that Detroit game pretty easily. They're just a machine right now. Detroit doesn't have the horses to stay with them all game. And they already had an embarrassing loss a week ago. So the Suns have, have flushed that embarrassing loss of, of every second or third week uh, for now. But 
I do think they're going to lose to the Spurs on Monday night for the same reason uh, Zona just gave is this the second night, second day in a row. They're traveling from Detroit to San Antonio in between. And the Spurs can be feisty. And uh, uh, DeJunte Murray is also making a, a small, very small all-star bid. Uh, but he's been really good. He's a, he's one of those guys you don't realize as a triple-double threat every game. Uh, so I don't know. I, 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 I see the Spurs surprising the Suns potentially. That's the one they're most likely to lose. And then I definitely see them winning against the Mavericks because it's on, on TNT. Everyone's going to be on. Aiton on national TV is the best Aiton you can get. Against Luka is the best Aiton you're going to see. I really think that's going to be a very good game. So the one they're most likely to lose is Monday. Will they lose it? I don't know. Um, but I'll just go ahead and I'll be the, the Debbie Downer here and, and predict two and one. Well, uh, I think the, uh, the Spurs, um, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't take I the... I uh, David Downer. Why didn't I say Debbie? Anyway, <laughs> I, I wouldn't play uh, play around with the spread on that game. I, I think the uh, Spurs will keep it close. And so I don't think Suns minus the points would probably make as much sense. But who's the center? I, I can never pronounce his name, but... Jakob uh, Pirtle. Pirtle, thank you. Yeah. He kind of gave Aiton and the Suns a little bit of trouble uh, in the in the past. And, and he, there's games where all of a sudden he's just like... Who is this guy again? Uh, the Spurs that might have somebody with them, but I, I think that I'm I'd predict a close win, you know, three, four, five points uh, victory. But uh, yeah, I think otherwise, double digits against uh, Josh Jackson's revenge game, as Fabio points out, I think we'll we'll crush him by uh, double digits. And Mavericks, I, I think we could run away in that game as well. Yeah, in the Detroit game, uh, Jay Pizel in chat says, take a look at Jeremy Grant and see if you'd rather have him than Jalen Smith. Uh, here's the thing, though. I'm sorry. Would you rather have him than DeAndre Ayton? Because Jeremy Grant makes $20 million a year for the next two years. So he would have to come back if there was a, tra- a sign-in trade this summer for Ayton. And just you just tell me after watching him for a game whether you'd rather have him or DeAndre Ayton um, starting next season. But we've got uh, the bearded Debbie. See Bucks tomorrow. <laughs> nice. Um, Cam Cam Johnson uh, is a day to day on his ankle. I got a couple questions in here about Cam. It's not like the others where they've just called them out for two weeks and then questionable. He's already questionable uh, for a return. So I expect him to play at least um, one of the games in the next two games. He might like come back for Monday. So he's not doing back to back on a sore ankle or something like that. Um, I can see that. I can see that's, that's my best prediction is he's going to play Monday and then going forward, he's back in the lineup uh, from there, but uh, playing back to back on an ankle that's recovering from a turn um, might not be smart. So we'll see unless he's completely feeling good. All right. So that's our prediction for the next week. Now, what, I, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to play a quick video for you guys. I need you guys to stay. I need you guys to pay attention. We have Brightside Night coming up. I have a special offer for you, and I want you guys to listen. There's um, a ton of you in the chat right now watching this program, and a bunch more, hundreds more are going to be watching through the next few hours. Thousand of you are going to be watching by tomorrow. Here's the deal. You will be entered if you donate to Brightside Night, and if you follow the instructions here on this video, You'll be entered into a raffle for great tickets on top of whatever you get because you donated because we already have we already have deals for people for for uh, for their donations. But even if you only donate eleven dollars, you could get six row seats. You could get eleventh row seats. That's all you got to do to enter this raffle, and you'll have really great chance because any kind of donation drives. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but they don't have thousands of people donating to them. 
you're relying on the donors who, who really care and you got to give, do a little give back. So that's my give back this week. You donate today or tomorrow, but just do it now. You'll be entered in a raffle. And if you donate more than $11, you'll get guaranteed stuff back. Please pay attention to this video uh, and uh, do a donation. And then we will see you guys next time. Uh, let me just find it here. Do, do, do. Where'd you go? <gasps> Oh, no, I don't have it queued up. Hold on. Okay. Zona, tell us where we can find you around the internet. Um, before it. we get to that, I'll just stall for a little bit for you here. And uh, next Saturday, Tory Craig and the Pacers come to Phoenix. Go to that game. Give him a round of applause if he's not already on the team by then. Uh, yeah, give him a nice little standing ovation. And you can find me at Zona Hoops underscore on Twitter. And shout out to Jake uh, for joining us today. Where, where can we find you? Uh, I met Coach Fallen founder, and my quick little deal is uh, I, I kind of tired of all the Suns fans saying trade Dario. I'll say this about Dario: he shows up at just about every game, and uh, and I don't know if everyone else saw it, but and maybe it wasn't even a real deal. But there was some uh, young gal that uh, was a diehard Dario Saric fan that started a massive uh, like tweet thread that people were liking and retweeting about how she wants to meet her favorite player, Dario Saric. Got her through some tough times. So I tell you what, I like seeing a guy that's injured still show up, support his team, be that good locker room presence. And that's why I think the, uh, the teammates and the coaches still speak so highly of them. All right, folks, I'm ready to play. Thank you so much, Jake. We can find you at uh, fallen founder on Twitter. Me, you can find me Dave King NBA on Twitter, as well as brightsideofthesun.com. Please watch this video and donate. Just need one more minute of your time. Being at a basketball game is such a rush. Screaming at the top of your lungs, high-fiving the person next to you, enjoying that last shot by the Suns. There's no better feeling than that instant camaraderie you get with thousands of other Suns fans at a stadium. We at brightsideofthesun.com and the Solar Panel Podcast are proud to give that game time experience to new fans every year. We call it Brightside Night. We donate game tickets to targeted groups around the Valley who've never had a live game experience. Over the past five years, that's been underprivileged kids. We've sent over 10,000. This year, we're focusing on healthcare heroes and first responders who've put their lives on the line to save others. Now, we want to give back to them. Let's thank them with tickets to the February 16th Suns Rockets game. All it costs you is 11 bucks. What you get out of it is not only the satisfaction of helping somebody, but also of getting something for yourself. You're either in a raffle at the very least, or you get gifts, you get goods, you get tickets, whatever it is, you make a donation, you also get something out of it. Go to sons.com slash brightside. That's sons.com slash brightside. Brightside's one word. Make your donation now. It only takes a couple of minutes and you're not even going to miss the money. That's one of the proudest accomplishments of my life to do this. And I hope it's going to be one of yours too. That's contributing to Brightside Night is a huge deal. That's sons.com slash brightside.